Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day. We're on to Tampa Bay as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 515. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films as we quickly reflect on the Eagles' loss on the road against the New York Giants in Week 18. But really, the the crux of this podcast is going to be all about the matchup, replaying Week 3, from the 2023 season, Eagles, Bucks, Monday Night Football. We've got matchups on both sides, the schematics on both sides. We really dive into some of the X's and O's topics that are going to be covered here going into this game. So uh, a lot to talk about here on Chalk Talk. As always, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. I know we've got a couple questions on there as well that we will answer here in the next episode. We've got Ross Tucker joining us here later this week. I've got a full focus lined up for this week. So we'll be back for a full preview uh, once again of this game. But now, Let's get going. Excited to catch up with Greg. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, back again for another discussion of this 2023 Philadelphia Eagles football team. My friend Greg Cosell as the Eagles get ready to step into the postseason. Greg, obviously a, a bitter taste in this team's mouth going in, uh, you know, winning one game in the last six, uh, becoming the second team in NFL history to not be able to reach 12 wins after a 10 and one start. Uh, it's obviously been a very tough few weeks for this football team, but uh, as they will all say right now, everybody's zero and zero and you you have your everything that you want is out in front of you. But now is the time when they've got to be able to turn this on and uh, get right this week against Tampa. Yeah, I mean, look, you and I have discussed the last couple of weeks, you know, some of the issues. Obviously, many of them uh, still exist, as we've seen, you know, through uh, through yesterday, Sunday. But now now it's it's all new. And uh uh, now you have to figure out how to play better with the players that you have. There's no there's no new cavalry coming in here. So now it's it's the players you have, uh, the schemes you have. Maybe you make some adjustments if you can. It's only one week. There's not a ton you can do. You hate to be cliched, but now it gets down to better execution. Now it comes down to your your good players, players that you counted on this season playing their best football. And uh, we know when they do that, that that they can be a good team. But that's what now has to happen. If you are the the optimistic Eagles fan, uh, what you're doing going into this is you're hoping that uh, the team that you watched beat Miami and Kansas City, you beat Dallas at home, uh, Buffalo in overtime. It was only one week from that win in, against Buffalo in overtime uh, when Jalen Hurts was the MVP and uh, you know this team was at the top of every power rankings. To the loss in San Francisco. It was one week where, bam, the, the switch flipped, momentum flipped, vibes flipped, all of that flipped. Uh, and then you, know, you go on that one and sixth run. So what you're hoping now is that the pendulum sw- swings back the other way. Can it swing back the other way? It's going to swing back at some point. It might be next year. It might be this week. Whenever that is, it's going to swing back. There are things that that have been going on that you're like, all right, like some of this is not always going to take place. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, you are if you're the optimistic Eagles fan, you're hoping that it starts uh, this Monday night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And let's dive into this matchup. Obviously, it's it's a rematch here from 2023. Uh, it's a rematch from the postseason in 2021 as well, as will be much discussed here over the course of the next few days, Greg. But um, let's start with the Eagles offense going up against Todd Bowles. 
Bills and the Bucks defense. And their identity is is pretty simple. I, they, they do a lot of things to try and mess with you as a quarterback, but one constant is that they're going to send pressure. They blitz the third highest rate in football. Uh, they sent more blitzes at any game, and uh, they sent more blitzes against the Eagles than they did in any other game this season. So we can expect that there's going to be extra rushers going at Jalen Hurts uh, on Monday night. Yeah, and I, if I'm not mistaken, they have 48 sacks on the season, and 15 of those have come from uh, linebackers and defensive backs. So, yep. you know, they are very good with their pressure concepts. I think it's obvious based on what we've seen in recent weeks that they are going to attack. That's Todd Bowles' way regardless of the opponent, and he's going to look at the Eagles' tape and being fair and honest um, – He's going to see that they've struggled with pressure over the last number of weeks. Um, so, yes, he is going to blitz, and the Eagles must be prepared for that. Literally, you have to be alert for pressure on, on almost every play. I mean, yeah. that's almost the way you have to go into this game, that there could be pressure of some kind on almost every play. Yeah, throughout the course of this discussion, you and I are going to refer- reference back things from that week three matchup. I reference things obviously over the last handful of weeks and then over the season as a whole. Uh, over the season as a whole, uh, the Eagles have bl- been blitzed at the second highest rate in football, according to PFF, just under 39%. Uh, if you go to third down, the blitz rate is 48.1%, yep. and that is well out in front of the second place team. Uh, they They face more blitz. And more man coverage. It's about just about 88% than any other team in football. And so uh, now I don't know that the man coverage component will be there because it's been mostly zone pressures this year from Todd Bowles. But I do think you're, we know it's going to be a lot of extra bodies. And as you mentioned, it is a fast front. It is a good blitzing front. They draft guys that are very good blitzers. So when you look at Devin White. Very effective. Levante David, very effective. Uh, the nickel corner, the rookie, Christian Eisen, effective. Antoine Winfield, That's outstanding blitzer. Yeah, but and Winfield can't believe he didn't go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, he he is an outstanding blitzer. So you yeah. got a lot of speed and a lot of violence uh, coming from the second and third level uh, at Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and um, keep in mind that even though the Eagles won that game uh, week three, is that uh, the Bucks rushed five or more on twenty-two of Hurts' forty dropbacks, and while he was thirteen for twenty-two for one fifty-two, he did throw two interceptions. So. Um, well, you know, that was a game where the Eagles ran the ball exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, Swift and Gainwell combined for 30 rushes for 173 yards. The Eagles controlled the ball for almost 39 minutes. That's almost always a formula for winning. Um, you know, that was also a game where they were an empty quite a bit. And sometimes empty can calm down a blitz. So, you know, there's a, this is a very tactical game. But the larger point is knowing Todd Bowles, knowing what he does, knowing what he's done this season with this particular group, and the fact that, I think David has four or five sacks. Winfield has six sacks. White's always been a really good blitzer. He, he may only have two or two and a half this year, but we've seen him over the years be a really good blitzer. Because you must be alert for pressure literally on every snap in this game. Yeah, if you go to, you know, go back to that game, it's funny for in preparation for this podcast, I went back and listened to our previous uh, episode after the Bucks game. So going into week four, coming off of the week three win. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, they they mixed up, they peppered in pressure over the first couple of drives. And then they hit a, a point in the middle of the game where it was 
First down, second down, third down. First down, second down, third down. Blitz, 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 right. blitz again. Uh, and I would expect a flurry like that at some point. And honestly, it might be earlier rather than later uh, in this game. I, I would expect them to come out aggressive from that end of it. Now, when you look at the Eagles' effectiveness against the blitz over the course of the season, as you mentioned, they have struggled lately. Uh, if you look at their success rate against the blitz on the whole over the season, they're 11th in the NFL. They've had success. And you mentioned empty has been a very good tool for them. Uh, we've seen the quarterback run game be a good tool for them they they have answers they've been able to be able to make teams pay at times um, but over the last few weeks that has been uh, not as consistent and they're going to need it uh, here in this one now we are recording this Monday afternoon or Monday evening um, still waiting to hear status updates official status updates on AJ Brown on Devontae Smith Nick Sirianni spoke about Jalen Hurts today basically said that like you know he's, he's going to be okay he's going to play in the game uh, he's going to be sore the finger's going to be stiff but that he'll be ready to roll so uh, uh, we'll wait on status updates as we go through the rest of the week, but you know they're they're going to have to find ways to have answers schematically and from an execution standpoint against the blitz. Uh, and again, it's not just all right; it's, it's going to be man-to-man uh, coverage on the outside, and it's uh, you know you got to pick your matchup. They do a lot where they drop guys out, where you've got you know Mugger standing yep. up over the center, and they'll drop him in the middle hook, and you you've got to be able to read things out. Uh, we've seen Jalen do that over the course of the season. That'll be the, another test uh, for him in this one. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, you know, it's obviously not a brilliant statement to say that he must play better as well. Um, you know, it's always easy to say, uh, what a lot of people say about the Eagles, but you know, when you watch the tape, a lot of those things are not true. So, um, uh, you know, when you face blitz, a lot of people have to be aware of it. Um, certainly the quarterback does because there are going to be cases where uh, teams are really good with blitz concepts as Todd Bowles is where there is going to be a free defender, uh, a free rusher, a free hitter, as, as people like to say, and your quarterback has to be aware of that. He has to speed up his process. He has to understand that. And uh, uh, cause there were opportunities this past week against the giants. And obviously this was a poor game all around, but uh, th- there will be opportunities. No question. Uh, and I think when you look at it, it's about just taking advantage of those opportunities as they pop up. Uh, you'll, fans may remember going back to that week three game, there were some big time throws from Jalen in that game. I mean, that touchdown to OZ, to Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, was outstanding. It was really good patience in the pocket. There were some others as well over the course of the football game. Uh, one thing that I think will be interesting to see, and again, some of this may be determined by the health of the wide receivers, but uh, in that game, the Eagles leaned heavily into 11 personnel. It was not a, a yeah. big, heavy, like base personnel game for them. In terms of multiple tight end sets, the Bucs have shown over the course of the season that they're going to match base with base. So if you go heavy, they're going to put three linebackers out in the field. They run base as much as anybody in football. So I wonder if that's something, if that's a button that the Eagles will push more often in this game and get more Jack Stoll, get more Grant Calcaterra out there. Uh, Calcaterra has made some plays down the stretch over the last month. I wonder if that's something, if A.J. Brown and or Devontae Smith are you know banged up in this football game, if that's a lever they'll try and pull. It's possible. I mean, the Bucs, uh, you know, they play that th- their base front is five, two or three, four, whatever you want to call it. Like the Eagles. Yep. Yeah. So um, uh, they could do that and, you know, get the, the two edge players, uh, you know, uh, on the outside, you know, who are on the ball. Um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously the Eagles have played more 12 um, in recent weeks. You know, that seems to be something they've hung their hat on a little bit more than 11 personnel. And I think you're right. The 11 personnel will be very dependent on who's available. As you said, we're speaking on a Monday night. Um, they, fortunately for the Eagles, they do have an extra day because they're they're the game a week from tonight, Monday yep. night. So there is an extra day. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I think obviously they need Smith and Brown and we'll see if they're ready to go. So you mentioned the run game earlier, and that was obviously a huge component of yep. the Eagles' offensive success. Uh, they ran for just about 200 yards, just shy of 200 yards in that game. DeAndre Swift ran over 100 yards. That was their last great four-minute drive uh, in this season yep. where yep. Uh, they basically milked eight minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter and just completely manhandled the Bucks up front. Now, I do want to talk about them from a personnel standpoint, but one thing, just watching this defense and obviously going through the numbers, and we know the identity as well and, and what the reputation is of this defense, but uh, the Bucks have one of the better run defenses in football from an efficiency standpoint you know you that that was honestly probably their worst game of yes, the season uh and over the course of Todd Ball's tenure they've been really good especially against uh running quarterbacks they are very very good uh, against the zone read uh making sure the guys are all the, the gap discipline is always really really good so it seems they go in with a quarterback that can be a run threat they've been pretty good at being able to shut that down uh this year the game against Chicago and Justin Fields really really stood out to me from that standpoint I think one thing, though, where the Eagles could take advantage, and this is we, we can you and I can kind of like chop this up a little bit, and the differences there, the the RPOs where you know it's a like a run pass option that has been a little bit better uh, for opposing offenses against the Bucks. I wonder if that's something where the Eagles will be able to find success, not necessarily just the true zone read, but right. having that pass element as well. I'm sure they will look. Yeah. The, they're going to look for any way to to get their offense into some kind of sustaining fashion. You know, mm. that that's that's a key thing. Um, you know, obviously you can't live on big plays. They've certainly not made the big plays this year the way they did a year ago. Quite frankly, last year doesn't matter anymore. We're now in the 2023 playoffs. So you have to play to what you are now. They've not been a big play offense. The explosive plays have not been there, um, you know, outside the numbers. So now you have to figure out ways to sustain offense. And I think the, the zone read, the RPOs, you know, different ways to to create conflict for the defense is what you're trying to do because obviously with all their pressures they're trying to create create conflict for the offense so you know the eagles have to have a response to that and uh you know we'll see uh but it's interesting you mentioned the 11 personnel in that game uh i think swift's may have his longest run i believe in that game did come out of 12 out of 12 yep um i believe was a 29 yarder and um you know, that was the, the classic front we were talking about, the 5-2 reduced front, um, and it was a gap scheme run. So, you know, yeah. we'll see if they feel that as as well as the Bucks have played historically under Todd Bowles versus the run, and they've got big bodies inside, and they've got good athletes inside as well. Now that pretty much everybody's healthy for the Bucks, they're not really missing any of their key players. Um, they are a tough defense to run against, but – you you must try however you choose to do it whatever the best way you feel is to do it there has to be some volume and some production in the run game to me like the uh the the runs that have been able to have success when we talk about the run pass option we're really anything where uh there's going to be a, like an extra level of uh, of thinking and reading out for those second level defenders you know especially for Devin White I mean Devin White was benched a couple weeks ago uh back in the starting lineup obviously it was a, a one game thing but I think when you're looking at uh those guys at the second and third level when you're trying to target them uh with your reads and you know trying to put those guys in conflict uh that has been a successful tool the Colts had a lot of success <coughs> running our 
RPOs against this defense. And so uh, that, that could be something we see here in this football game. I go back even to the, the NFC title game and what the Eagles did to guys like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Right, right. Uh, you know, and that was something where when you're when you get that run game humming, uh, that's something that could be a really effective tool. And we'll see if the Eagles are able to lean on it from that standpoint. Let's talk about the Bucks from a personnel side of things as well in some of these matchups. Uh, and if we're going to talk about the run defense. We got to start with the guy in the middle, uh, Vita Vey at number 50. Uh, obviously, a matchup that will be under the spotlight going up against Jason Kelsey. Uh, yeah, Vita Vey is <laughs> he, he's a really good player. I mean, for a guy that big, he's so light on his feet. Uh, yeah. You know, so he's he's inside, and they've got uh, you know they've got good athletes inside as well. Like someone yes. like rookie Kalaja Kansi, he might be a little smaller, but when he's healthy and you watch his tape, he almost looks like a running back playing defensive tackle. He's Did not play some... in the week three game, by the way. Kansi was out uh, in that game. That is correct, but he's healthy now, and you know he's got phenomenal quickness. Um, it you know overall they're pretty athletic uh, up front. It seems as if Yaya Diaby has now become the starter outside. Yeah. We're replacing Joe Tryon. He's a player I really like coming out of coming out of Louisville. Really athletic, really light feet. Um, you know, again, another guy that that just moves better than you would think given his size. Um, but uh, no, they are really good up front, and and they even have guys like Greg Gaines, who you know a couple of years ago with the Rams was a, I think their Super Bowl year. He was a dominant, dominant player. He's a good player to put out there, and he's a bench, very, yep. very good run defender. Yeah, you have. We talked about the athletes. You mentioned Cansey. You mentioned Diaby. Shaq Barrett uh, still yep. there. Try, you know, now that Tryon uh, Shoyinka is a is a backup, he comes off the bench. He's extremely athletic. A really yep. good role player for them. Logan Hall first round pick a couple years ago. He's 280 pounds. This guy runs in the four sixes. It really, it's a, it's a very explosive front. Yes, it is. And, and that's without talking about the linebackers who are obviously a part of the, the front as well. But you get into all those guys. It's a very uh, matchup laden group where they're saying, Hey, you know what? Uh, we are going to try and dictate to the offense with all the pressure that we're sending. It's going to be a lot of one-on-ones. And so you've got to be able to hold up from that standpoint. That will be a big test here for the Eagles offensive line. It'll be good on good from that standpoint. Yeah, and, and you can't forget about Antoine Winfield. That guy, he's as versatile a safety as there is in the league. Yeah. And at times he looks like he's shot out of a cannon. You know, he can play on the back end. He can play in the box. He can blitz. He can run down people. He's got great pursuit. Um, he plays the run really well. I mean, he is just a terrific, terrific player. And he's another really explosive athlete. So, yeah. And they're big at corner. So they can match up, you know, size-wise. If A.J. Brown is available to go, they can match up to A.J. Brown size-wise. Yeah, Carlton Davis uh, was banged up in the last game, but, you know, he's been banged up throughout the course of the season. So uh, it looks like all these guys are healthy, though. You have Davis on the outside, Jamel Dean, uh, Zion McCollum comes off the bench and and uh, has played a lot for them this year. Yeah. But he, he's a big corner as well. Uh, his his brother, uh, Tristan McCollum, actually here on the Eagles, uh, on the Eagles practice squad. But I think when you look at uh, that corner group, it's a big, long, physical group. Uh, Christian Isian is an undrafted rookie, rookie free agent from Rutgers. Started week one for them in the nickel uh, and has been a little bit of a revelation for them. Has given them yeah. some good play uh, on the inside. And so, uh, yeah, this is a secondary. And though I, I would say the big thing about them, it's a very opportunistic group. Uh, and, you know, Winfield's always around the football and will find yeah. ways to get it back for you. But uh, Carlton Davis has been productive in the past. Jamel Dean, uh, with his traits, he'll find the football. And Isaiah, he's, he's jumping routes left and right as well. So, uh, you know, the, the turnovers have been a little bit of an issue over the course of this season. The Eagles have to protect the ball in this game because they're going to be looking like, you know, there are some teams where it's like, all right, like, hey, we, we can shoot. They've, they've had issues with protecting the football this season. Let's go a little bit extra uh, at these guys. I feel like that's something that the Bucks defense will be preaching all week in practice. 
I agree. And, he, and, and it's a defense that brings uh, size and speed and, uh, and tactics. We talked about the tactics. So, yep. it, you know, when they're playing at their best, it's a really difficult defense to play against. No doubt. All right, well, let's go over to the other side of the football. Uh, the Eagles defense going up against the Bucks offense. And um, I think that a lot of our listeners may fall into the trap of, oh, like Baker Mayfield, he's on his fourth team in, you know, in three years uh, or whatever the number is at this point. Um, you know, there, there's not a ton to worry about here. Baker Mayfield played some of the best football of his career. It was really, really efficient uh, in play, and it looks like the best version of himself under Dave Canales, this offensive coordinator here in Tampa. Mike Evans uh, continues his level of greatness. Rashad White has been very productive, especially in the second half. Tristan Wirfs has been one of the best tackles in football this year. So uh, they've got pieces. They've got a lot of talent. Uh, and they've been one of the most efficient offenses in football over the course of this 17-game schedule. Yeah, and there's a couple of differences, clearly, from when these teams played week uh was it three or four? Three. Week three. Yeah. Yep. Um, they run the ball much better now than they did then. Early in the season, they couldn't run the ball. I wouldn't say they're a dynamic running group, but yep. the running game is a meaningful part of their offense now. I mean, they can line up. Rashad White has developed into a really nice combination back runner receiver, uh, which is what uh, I think you and I both agreed. We thought he could be coming out of ASU. Um you know, we never thought he'd be, you know, one of those superstar studs, but he did have that, comp you know, uh, that component skill set of being a good runner and an yep. excellent receiver. And he's kind of developed into that in this his second year in the league. Um, Kate Otten has become kind of an important piece, maybe not a big time volume target because of Evans and Godwin, but he's become kind of an important piece in this offense. He can work the seam. He's while he's not a burner. He's shown the ability to stretch the seam when they get the right coverage. Um so he's become an important piece, which was kind of unknown week three. Yep. Uh, you know, when you mentioned Evans, you know, uh, we're speaking on a Monday night. Do we know what the status of Slay will be, Darius Slay? I got to think, Craig, that he's he's good. All reports were that he was going to be good for the playoffs. The team did not put him on injured reserve, and he missed the last four games. So right. uh, I would say that, they, yeah, they're, they're saying he's going to be ready for the playoffs. So I, I would be surprised if he did not play. Right, because, you know, in the last game, um, there were clear snaps as that game progressed week three in which Slay matched up to Evans. They didn't start the game that way, but um, uh, it, it, they kind of moved somewhat in that direction as that game progressed. I would imagine that that will continue in this game um, uh, because I think otherwise they could run into some matchup issues on the outside and uh, and that could be a problem. So my guess is you will see Slay uh, as often as is realistically possible match up to Mike Evans. Now it might not be pure man coverage, but he will line up over him. Um, you know, the issue comes down to the slot with Chris Godwin. Um, you know, he's a really good slot receiver friend, as you know, uh, this past week against the giants, obviously the game, uh, you know, got out of hand, but we saw both Maddox and Roby get meaningful snaps in the slot. So I don't know how that's going to play out this week. Godwin is a big physical guy. They may think Roby is the better candidate to match up to him. I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, Godwin back in week three, at that point in the offense, because remember, this is a new coordinator, uh, they were trying to get him in on the outside a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. And then about halfway point through the season, they're like, yeah, let's get him back into the slot. And he's been much more productive uh, down the stretch here working inside. Um, they've got a couple other guys they try and rotate in, but you mentioned the big names. I mean, it's Evans and Godwin at receiver, Otten at tight end, and White at running back. And White has caught a bunch of balls here uh, yep. in the second half as well. And I think a big part of look, there are going to be some design screens, and that's a big part of it. But I think also 
this is how they're coaching Mayfield. They are teaching, you know, the, the you can't go broke making a profit, take what the defense gives you. White knowing what he can be in the flat and with the ball in his hands, Mayfield is very happy to just dump the ball off. And so uh, for an Eagles defense that has had a lot of trouble with tackling over the last couple of weeks, yes. they cannot let him get loose. That, that is something that has been a big part of this Bucks offense in the last month and change. And one other point, you mentioned Godwin going back in the slot, which is absolutely true. Uh, and, and one reason has been Trey Palmer, not that he's yeah. a volume target, but uh, I'm sure you watched him coming out of Nebraska, as I did, and Beats he can him. run. And, yep. he, and and that's the other thing. You always have to be careful, you know, with the Eagles. Do not have a lot of speed in the secondary, and you just always have to be careful when you play a receiver that can run that they don't get over the top of you and, and create those big explosive plays that you're, you know, you're obviously trying to prevent. And like I said, while Palmer's not necessarily a volume target in the context of their offense, he certainly can get on top of the defense. Yeah, I and mean, this is an offense that, in terms of like deep passing attempts, Greg, they're fourth in football uh, in deep yeah. pass attempts coming in. Now, a lot of that goes to Mike Evans, right? Yes. So they, a lot of that is going to go uh, to the guy who's in his 30s, but uh, they are not afraid to mix it in with the rookie as well. Uh, I know they targeted Devin Tompkins, uh, another uh, he was a second year player. Uh, they targeted him down the field uh, on a on a play last uh, in week three as well. Um, but they've got, and they've got some other guys down at the bottom of the depth chart that can run. Rakeem Jarrett can run. David Moore can run. So um, I, I think when you look at this offense, you've got to be able to contend with the deep ball and certainly Evans uh, a big, big part of that. I do think, you know, especially in, the, in between the 20s, and we could talk now, we can kind of shift this to, to Mayfield and what is it that has made him so productive in the system. The way that they want to play, you know, Dave Canales, he comes from Seattle and he was a, he was with Pete Carroll going all the way back to like early USC. Like he, he is a, a Pete Carroll lifer through right. and through. But, you know, when he got hired last uh, last spring as the offensive coordinator, went back and, and just watched his press conference this offseason. And, you know, he said, you know what, when Shane Waldron got hired as the offensive coordinator, I took so much from him. And now, like, basically what he's running is so much influenced by Shane Waldron, who came from Sean McVay, who obviously the, the Kyle Shanahan tree. So it's that style of offense, but with a little bit more of the mindset of what Pete Carroll has always bought. So it's a lot of heavy personnel. It's a lot of, you know, so it's a lot of two tight ends. And they put a lot on those tight ends, especially sure in the run game. Uh, yes. So, you know, you're going to see Kate Otten and Co. Keefe and Payne Durham uh, matched up one-on-one -on -one against uh, uh, against Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat in the run game. That's something that they are very confident in doing with their tight ends, but they're going to put those guys out in the field. They run a ton of play action on, on early downs. And so they're going to try and get these guys going downhill at the second level. And then they're going to try and pop over the top uh, guys down the seam, whether it's Evan, they do a great job working in the middle of the field with Godwin and Evans, but then also like just grip it, rip it down the field. And so, um, you know, to me like this, this kind of reeks from a game plan standpoint, they might look at what Arizona did two weeks ago uh, at Lincoln Financial Field and say, yeah, like that's exactly what we're going to do from a uh, a game plan, like execution standpoint. That's what our goals are coming in. And they, the Cardinals, they came in, they played a lot of heavy personnel. They were able to run the football effectively. Uh, they were able to get the Eagles to get into their base package and then throw the ball out of base. And so I, I think that that's something I would watch out for in this game. That's why the Eagles, they, they've got to be able to stop the run. And they can't let the, the the short throws turn into big gains. They've got to be able to make sure they find ways to get them behind the sticks, make them a little bit less predictable from that standpoint. Yeah, and, but one point I would make that makes them different than Arizona, obviously, is their receivers. Playmakers, and, yeah. Correct. Right, and the fact that they can, even if they're lined up on first and 10 in base, whether it's two tight ends, maybe three tight ends, because um, Durham has been playing a lot more. Um you know, so you never know, but they certainly, even out of that, can push the ball down the field. Um, you know, and, and Evans, he works the middle of the field as well as anyone with that size. Okay. He's just a physical athlete. Um, so uh, we'll see. You know, uh, you know, Baker's been 
a little up and down. You know, this is this would be a game where it would be really nice if the Eagles pass rush could sort of come back a little bit. Because one thing about Baker Mayfield, he's he's really good when he's rhythmic. But if he has to sort of wait in the pocket, um, which, of course, comes down to coverage as well. But if he has to wait in the pocket just a little bit, he starts to get a little antsy, a little frenetic, and he starts to play fast. And he starts to lose his, his precise ball location, which is really good when he's able to hit that back foot and play with timing and rhythm. Literally from my notes, Greg, uh, I said, you know, Baker Mayfield, for better or worse, plays fast and frenetic. Uh, and so you can get the yeah. good where it's like, hey, everything's fast and it looks decisive and it's sharp and it's all, oh, man, like he's yeah. really feeling it. And then there are times where he's playing fast and it's like, oh, man, like he's he's not feeling it. And you see that that it start to go on the other side of it. Uh, I thought in that that first matchup. The Eagles did, did a good job. And the, the coverage, I thought, was married with the rush. There were a handful of plays from that game where they took away the first read, and now if Baker's got to hold on to the football, and then yeah. you got Jalen Carter and, and Fletcher Cox both getting home for a sack, or you've got Marlon Tui-Pelotu getting home for a sack. It showed up numerous times in this game. They had under 200 yards of total offense, the Bucs. I know. In the, the well, Eagles of course, and of course the Eagles held the ball for so long. Yes. So, which is obviously, that's that's a wonderful it's, situation if you can be in that situation. Um, no so, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, but this Bucks team, you know, because they're nine and eight and because, you know, people still have a certain worldview of Baker Mayfield and he's been up and down at times this year. He's had stretches where he's been phenomenal um, and they've had a lot of injuries on defense. So their defense yep. at times has been up and down as well. But all everybody's healthy now and they've got a lot of good players. Um, mm. And, you know, the one thing we know that's going to happen in this game is there's going to be blitz pressure by the Bucks. Yep. Uh, that will be something uh, we know we can uh, we can take that to the bank uh, on Monday for sure. Uh, one last note, uh, just to talk through this matchup real quick. We just mentioned the offensive line and the importance of the defensive line uh, to be able to be able to get after Baker Mayfield. <clears throat> the big name up front is Tristan Wirfs, uh, his first really year starting player, yeah. at left tackle, and he has been outstanding. And he really did a nice job against Josh Sweat and Milton Williams in that first matchup. That will be one to circle. But even Luke Gedeke at right tackle has had a solid year as well. And so uh, the, both guys, I thought, held up pretty well against the Eagles. Outside pass rushers, it was more the inside guys that were able to impact the game back in week three. Uh, what do you think of that matchup? Yeah, I mean, one guy who stood out to me is struggling at times, particularly in one-on-one -on -one pass protection, is the left guard Stinney. And yep. I think he's a guy that you'd ideally like to kind of set your fronts and hope that you can get some one-on-one -on -one matchups there because I think he can struggle in that area. And, um, you know, and of course, Baker being six feet, you want to get that inside pressure on him. Yeah, Stinney was not the starter back in week three. It was no, Matt was Tyler, not. and they they yeah. made the switch around midseason. Uh, and so Stinney has now been the starter. So that certainly is a name to circle uh, if you are an Eagles fan. Well, Greg, uh, hopefully we're, we'll be back next week talking about an Eagles win, and we can keep talking about this team moving forward. But uh, regardless, we'll be back next week talking through uh, the Eagles against the Bucks. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rand. Great stuff there from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.